I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Empire. you knew, but you have no idea. It's the Urban Sports Scene. Listening to the urban sports scene with myself, Wole, Will T, and Ray Jeezy, man. Last week was last <laughs> week was a hitter, man. You had an ex pass. Will and I talked about it uh, last show. We didn't talk about him passing. You know, we had our prayers uh, up for him because it was like a grave. You know, it looked like it was in, he was in grave grave condition. But we were hoping that he would pull through. But you know, ex you know ex couldn't do it. Um, Will T, man, you were there last week, man. Um, when you heard the news, um, your thoughts? I was saddened. You know, um, it was one of those things that, like you, like you previously stated, that you know, you thought. I, I know I can only speak for myself, and probably you. You know, um, we thought he was going to pull through, um, going to overcome um, the overdose or uh, whatever it was allegedly that um, placed him um, into the, you know, coma or with the lack of brain activity. So it, it was, I'm sad to see him gone. Um, but the one thing we do get, um, one thing we can still do is we can celebrate his life when they do have his send off. So. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and I forgot to mention, again, you're listening to the urban sports scene, part of, Ampire Media, again, part of Ampire Media. Ray, you were in the building, but when you heard the initial news, what did you think, my man? Well, obviously, Robert Jones. It's, it's unfortunate when anyone loses their life, and it's unfortunate that we don't always celebrate people while they're alive. Mm. This saying is going around now, it's trending. Let's give people their flowers while they're still alive. I want to say Stephen Jackson started that on um, uh, a podcast that's not better than ours. But what's crazy is what I appreciate about X, and I'll say this real quick, is that when you think about the greatest hip-hop artists that were also actors, Ice Cube, Tupac, Belly 
is in that discussion with some of the great movies that were produced by some of these awesome hip-hop artists slash actors and directors. And, I'm, of course, Ice Cube and Tupac are like the standards, and I'm sure there's others. LL comes to mind, but mm-hmm. DMX and that one movie, it, it's in the discussion for me. Facts, man. Facts. Again, um, again, you listen to uh, the Urban Sports Team on Ampire Media. Uh, Ampire Media hosts multiple DMV sports podcast shows, such as the John Kahn Report, hosted by Washington football team insider John Kahn, and Jones Football, hosted by USA Today Insider Mike Jones. You can also subscribe to the Urban Sports Scene Podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Google Podcast. Just search the Urban Sports Scene. Also, tweet us at Urban Sports Scene and hit us up on our Urban Sports Scene Facebook page. Also, join our Urban Sports Scene Facebook group. Search Urban Sports Scene, sports bloggers, sports podcasters, and sports debates. Will T. Let's get into our tradition of pregame. Here's what we have on tap. We'll talk about. Well, sorry, we'll talk with Norfolk State men's basketball coach Robert Jones at 8:33. We'll talk about a report that the Washington football team will be targeting Norfolk, sorry, North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance in the NFL draft. Finally, we'll talk about the Nats' slow start of the season. But Ray, my man, <laughs> it's that time. This brother that I'm introducing tonight was born and raised in Queens, New York, and his basketball resume dates back to 2001, where our guest would land his first coaching gig, serving as an assistant for Division Three Bard College. Subsequently, he would, for the next two years, hold the same position of assistant coach at his alma mater, the State University of New York at New Paltz. As a member of New Paltz's hoop squad from 1997 to 2001, our guest was a Division Three Honorable Mention All-American, and finished his playing career ranked ninth all-time in school history and scoring and number one all-time in blocks. During his coaching tenure at New Paltz, this individual helped guide his team to an appearance in the State University of New York Athletic Conference Championship game in 2003. This turned out to be just the start of an amazing coaching journey that led our guests being hired as head freshman team coach and assistant varsity coach at St. Mary's High School of Manhattan, New York in 2004. That season, the varsity team went 25-1 and and finished the season ranked 10th nationally by USA Today. Our guest was instrumental in mentoring four future Division I prospects, including University of North Carolina graduate and 2009 Cleveland Cavaliers draftee Danny Green and former West Virginia University star and 2010 Los Angeles Lakers draftee Devin Ebanks. And between stints as a high school and AAU coach, 13 of our guest players went on to earn D1 scholarships. This success will catapult this individual to landing an assistant coaching job at Norfolk State University in 2007. And within his first four seasons at Norfolk State, he would earn their first MEAC tournament championship, resulting in the school's first ever appearance in the NCAA tournament, where they went on to upset number two seed Missouri. Kyle O'Quinn was the standout that year, which resulted in him being selected 49th overall to the Orlando Magic in the 2012 NBA draft. Our guest will be named interim head men's basketball coach at Norfolk State University in, two, in April 2013. And in less than a year, the interim tag was making him the permanent head man, which remains his position today. His accolades are too great in number to name them all, but in 2019, he will be named MEAC Coach of the Year and his past season arguably the toughest of all as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest will lead Norfolk State to another appearance in the NCAA tournament where they earn an opening round victory against Appalachian State University. Welcome to the Urban Sports Team, Mr. Robert Jones. What's happening, brother? 
Hey, how you doing, man? What's going on? Good to have you. Same here. Great to have you. Great to have you. Um, we, I mean, I, I see that you're from you're from New York. Uh, X is from New York. X is from Yonkers. Uh, when you heard the news that he passed, what came to your mind? If you were an X fan or whatnot? Uh, I mean, I was a fan, and you know, I listened to a lot of his music. Um, obviously, in college and things like that, like my early years in college when he first came, uh, he came out. But um, you know, it was a a shock uh, that he passed. Uh, a shock that he passed. You know just kind of like out the blue, it seemed like, um, I know he's battled a lot of different things in his life, mm-hmm. but, um, this was the, you know, just shocking. So, um, you know, it was just, you don't want to see anybody die at 50 years old, exactly. you know, dying at 50 years old. You still have a, a long life to live, you would think. Um, so that was just probably the, the saddest part. Like, uh, like rate, like Will said, you know, trying to give this, give individuals their, like Ray said, excuse me, give individuals their flowers. So I'm going to be on a high note and on a positive note. What was like your favorite ex song? <laughs> uh man there's a lot of them man i mean of course uh rough riders anthem i mean i actually like the remix probably better than the, the original right. to be honest with you um so the remix was good and then um i like um uh song you had with the with the with the locks and, and stuff and, and mace that i probably can't say the name of it on on air but, you know, yeah, they can say it, uh you know Blank, blank, done started something. You know, so that's right ninjas, ninjas done started something. Ninjas, yeah, done. So that, yeah. So that's that, that was um that was one of my favorite joints right there because I mean that's when Mason Jada Kiss was was you know it was hard you mm-hmm. know then so um yes sir you know, but yeah he got so many blackout with Jay Z mm-hmm. um, was also mm-hmm. a good one um so it's, you know it's a lot of them. So the coach. We're going to move on mm-hmm. to basketball now. And, and we, again, moving towards a more positive note in the show. And your, your school, the school where you coach, the men's basketball program, Norfolk State, you won a MEAC Conference Championship Tournament. And you also, of course, went to the NCAA Tournament, defeated Appalachian State. But we know this season was difficult as a result of this ongoing pandemic, as I mentioned when I introduced you. Just explain and describe a bit how difficult it was being able to navigate through this season and ultimately the NCAA Tournament. Uh, I mean, this season was a was a trying year. I mean, you know, um, mm-hmm. living your life <laughs> not the way you're supposed to live it. You know, I mean, you know, just, <laughs> there's no 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 social, uh, real social interactions. Um, you know, the kids have to sacrifice a lot. I mean, you you know, you worried about even being around your own family because you know, I mean, you know, hey, you know, your family could catch it and then you you spread it to the kids and then it's a shutdown and mm-hmm. things like that. So everybody had to be um very very cautious um about about just handling this season but then you know i think once you got on the basketball court it was just basketball really um the games of course were different you know no fans at, at most of the arenas we played in mm-hmm. and uh, so that was definitely different and um just a whole different season but you know for us it just it, it paid off and um it was it was great at the end for us so again i mentioned that victory of Appalachian state how did earning a victory in the NCAA tournament sort of distract your team from the ongoing pandemic? Uh, I don't think it distracted them anything. I think I think uh. people knew, you know, they, they know what's going on. But um, I think for us to accomplish what we accomplished during the pandemic, um, you know, really, really felt good to the guys. It was like now, it's like almost like you sacrificed so much and you finally got the big reward, you know, for it. You know, you had to sacrifice – 
mm-hmm. you know, girlfriends, parties, stuff like that. You know, these kids are 18, 18 to 23 years old, 24 years, you know, some 24 years old, but they, they have to sacrifice a lot. And that's, that mean, you know, that, that's tough for them, man. So, um, uh, just to see that they, all their sacrifice actually paid off, I think was a, was a good thing. You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene right now. We're chatting with Norfolk State men's basketball coach Robert Jones. So, so coach, okay. real quick. Okay, right. Sorry. Oh, uh, my bad. One more thing. Compare compare this team to the 2012 tournament team. Uh, very similar, except for we didn't have a pro like Kyle Quinn. But uh, man, <laughs> we we had a lot of we had a lot of depth on the 2012 team, and we had a tremendous amount of depth on this team. Um. Probably, you know, a good thing for me, but a bad thing for them, honestly, because, uh, you know, I could really just kind of throw up every night who I wanted to play and it probably would work because everybody was like really similar. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys couldn't play 30 minutes a game or, you know, stuff like that. It was like, you know, guys minutes were probably a little lower than what, what it would have been if they were on another team, mm-hmm. you know. So, so coach, um, how dope is it, you know, cause you're fairly young, how dope is it to be a, a young coach, a, a young black coach in a, you know, for a, <laughs> for, for a D1 program, I think that's dope. You know what I mean? Like how is the, like, in terms of the journey to get there, like how fulfilling is that? I mean, it's very fulfilling. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you know, to be one of 357 in the world, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people talk about the, the U S mm-hmm. but it's really the world because that's what division one basketball is played at, you know, and I mean, you know, so he was only played in the U S but it's really the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's like winning the lottery every day. Um, you know, uh, of that, because everybody kept talking about the, you know, talking about the NBA and things like that, mm-hmm. because there's so many players that, um, play in the basketball in the world. There's only, you know, 400 or something NBA players, or whatever it might be at this point. It's almost the same thing with coaches, man. You you would go to a, a youth tournament on a weekend and you'll see 50 to 100 coaches just coaching youth basketball. Mm. So you multiply that all across the country, all across the state, all across the world, and then you add in college assistant coaches, high school coaches, you know, every everything you add in. There's a lot of coaches that coach basketball. So to be one of 357 is a um, you know, a tremendous honor, and you you know, it's something that you've got to stay humbled by, and and then also there's a great responsibility, I think, too, because you are part of the elite, um, you know, an elite group, and I think you should, you know, you should understand that and, and treat the job as such, um, and I try to do that every day that I that I that I can um, do it, you know, um, and and understand that you know it is very elite company, and then like you know, like you said, coming from some of the, the things I came through, um, to get this as the, as the reward is is just you know, tremendous. Yeah, and, and being successful. I mean, you got to add that too. Like you've been successful. Like not yeah. everybody gets to the turn gets to the big dance. You got to the tournament. People dream to get in the tournament. Like I'm a, I, like I mm-hmm. I don't like I I don't I ain't play college ball, but I wish I was in the tournament. You know what I'm saying? So just to get yeah. <laughs> it's real talk, bro. Like it's to to get to the tournament to me it just it shows like your work. You know what I mean? Like Ray mentioned, you you've done it before. You've up, upset a team. You was on the staff to upset a team. At, uh, the Missouri, a big school, a big school. You got this team to the cha- to the tournament this year and won to get to this to the, the round of 64. So you're not just in the dance; you're successful too. I think that I think that's dope, all the way around, man. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You know, it's a lot of hard work, a lot of unseen hours. I know that term is something I'm thrown around, you know, these days and stuff. <laughs> but it is a lot of unseen hours that people, you know, people just think that you come to the games. And, you know, you just show up and you, you know, you play, whether you play on TV or you, you know, last, well, up until this year, you know, you put on your nice suit and you just go out there and coach, you know, but they don't understand that you have to deal with, 
kids' um, mental, mm-hmm. you know, up and ups and downs. Um, so you become a coach, a psychologist, a big brother, a father. You know, uh, you know, you become all of that stuff in the in the course of a year. And then with ups and downs, you know, you, you try not to, you know, obviously you try not to lose that much. And, and I've been fortunate enough not to lose a, a lot. But it's like, you know, there is losing streaks. Mm-hmm. So that those are the lows. And then there's winning streaks. Those are the highs. So you go through highs and lows in a season. And, um, you know, just to try to get that one ultimate goal of, of a championship. And so and then mm-hmm. I have a follow up question to that. So what so since you, you know, you've won, you, you won a game in a tournament. Looks like the program, your program is doing well. What do you hope gain you gain from winning that game in the tournament in terms of recruiting or whatnot? Uh, just to keep enhancing our recruiting. I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, we kind of jumped on the, the national stage back in 2012. We beat Missouri, mm-hmm. so that kind of stamped us a little bit. That kind of made recruiting a lot easier. It also helped when when Kyle Quinn got drafted to the NBA. So now people see Norfolk State as a you know that that well, they don't think that you're just selling them a dream that hey you could get drafted from here. It's, it's been proven that you can get drafted mm-hmm. from here. And then you know us us beating jumping back on the national scene a little bit in 2019 when we beat Alabama in our in our, in our team first round, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know. Then jumping, jumping back on the biggest stage, you know, in the NCAA tournament, and then winning that game against Appalachian. And although we lost against Gonzaga, you know, seven seven million people saw Norfolk State play Appalachian State, and ten million people saw us play Gonzaga. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like it, it just puts your program in the in the forefront. Of course, there's a financial reward for the school and things like that. So, um, you know, everybody's happy at the end of the day, and um, we just try to capitalize on our momentum. So, Coach, this past weekend, there was a special that aired on ESPN. It was called HBCU Football Our Time. Uh, prior to that, I'm sure you're familiar with CP, TP3, and Stephen A. doing a docuseries focusing on Central. You had the NBA All-Star Tribute. HBCUs are starting to gain momentum. Sorry, we will for the word, but it's the truth. Uh, so, you know, what is it going to take to continue this, this, like I said, momentum and getting HBCU and HBCU athletics, not just the – the athletics, the school as well, you know, in terms of education, what is it going to take to get back to a place where we're mentioned amongst the prominent, you know, schools and universities? I'm saying we, because we all on this show attended HBCUs as well. It's just going to continue to take people's belief in HBCUs that you can do anything you want to do from HBCU. If you want to be a doctor, you can be a doctor. You know, if you want to be an NBA player, you can be it. If you want to be a surgeon, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it from HBCU. So it just has to, you know, take that, just that belief. I think a lot of times, even as uh, African American people, you know, sometimes we we go against. I mean, we we go. The, the problem we have is that, like, sometimes parents of, of a recruit have went to an HBCU, and then when we recruit them, they want to send them somewhere else. Well, we're like, well, if you were successful going mm-hmm. to HBCU, then why won't you send your kid yeah. to HBCU? You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So it's like you run into that. It's like almost like you know, it's, it's really like our, our race and our culture that kind of like. You know, turn turn your back on each other. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, ooh, sometimes other people don't do that. You know, so we mm. got to understand that and, and and give full faith and in, in, into the HBCUs and things like that, including athletics, because um, a lot of these athletes, man. You know, if Zion Williamson would have came to Norfolk State, he was still gonna be the number one pick. Mm. You know, he was the Absolutely. best player in the world <laughs> at that time. You know, if. If, you know, some of these other kids would have came to Norfolk State. They'd still have been number one. LeBron would have came to Norfolk State back then. He was still going number one. You know, like, it, like it's not going to hurt anything. But it will help tremendously the, the colleges and universities um, from a, you know, financial standpoint, marketing standpoint, and everything like that. Because, honestly, the reason why some of our kids go to, like, a Duke or North Carolina and, and Coach K and, obviously, you know, 
Roy Williams, who just retired, ran great programs. But be honest with you, man, I never even heard of Duke until I seen him on TV, you know, <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> so, and I know Duke, and I know Duke is a is a good university, you know, but it's gonna take it's gonna take more exposure. Like if 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 we had the top five players in the country at Norfolk State, and Norfolk State is on TV all the time on ESPN and stuff like that, then people gonna associate just going to Norfolk State. You know, there's people mm. I know that went to that went to Carolina non basketball players. Uh, one of my good friends who's a dentist went to Carolina as a non you know he didn't play basketball or whatever, but it's like he went there <laughs> because the basketball program was so good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and it just happened. It, it it just happened to be that the dental program was okay too. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so, like it, it's going to take stuff like that. It's going to take it's going to take us to believe in us to make it happen. Sure. And, and and I think that you know us you know Norfolk State you know especially the the basketball program myself and my and my coaches and, and things like that we're going to try to run the program just like any other program in the country with the resources that we have you know and. We have more resources than people think. People think that we, you know, eat McDonald's and stuff like that. We don't eat McDonald's, man. You know, we don't do stuff like that. So it's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's crazy the perception. But that's why when we mm-hmm. on the national stage and we play against Appalachian State, who had a, a basketball budget almost three times as much as ours, we want to mm-hmm. show them that yo, we're gonna we're gonna be up 19 points against this team because we're gonna that's run right. a program the way this, you know, because we just a regular program, man. Like it's not about HBCU and stuff like that. It's like. Mm-hmm. Man, we just a, a good mid-major basketball program at this point. We like we we beyond that, that other stuff at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Coach, this is Will. First of all, I want to congratulate congratulate you on all the success you had this year. Even though I am a Morgan State graduate, and you broke my heart in the MEAC uh, championship, uh, your team broke my heart in the MEAC MEAC conference tournament. But outside oh, of I'm that, sorry about that, man. <laughs> Hey, it's all good, man. It's all good. Um, yeah. You mentioned Gonzaga, and you guys played Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament. Can um, do you? Um, would you look at a program like Gonzaga, what they built built themselves up to over like a, a fifteen year span, as kind of like the blueprint for what you're trying to do at Norfolk State and for what other um, smaller Division One colleges um, are trying to do with their basketball program? Without question. I mean, we, we still going to say that we want to be the Gonzaga of the East. And I know other programs use that too. But what we say is, is that mm-hmm. a lot of times the MEAC is an underrated conference because mm-hmm. people don't know who's in the MEAC or they don't respect the brand of basketball, whatever it might be. But I tell people on the flip side, you name me five teams in Gonzaga's conference. I'll wait. You know, like you don't know where they play <laughs> out there. So it's, like, it's like, you know, you want to be, you know, like if they can do it, you know, we can figure out like, okay. You might say um, the MEAC is weak outside of, you know, maybe a couple teams. All right, fine, whatever you want to say. But th- we're not going to allow you to say Norfolk State is weak. You mm-hmm. know, like we're going we're gonna to put a product out there that's going to be uh, a very good product. Just like Gonzaga, you know, they they play against, I don't I mean, I don't know who's over there. I guess Pacific and, you know, Mount St. Mary's, I guess, mm-hmm. is over there too. Yeah. In that conference. There's a whole bunch of Pepperdine and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like – they beat up on those guys, but, you know, they still like a national power mm-hmm. at the end of the day. So right. that's, that's how we want to be eventually. But it's going to take um, more than just this year and more than just 2012. It's going to take the whole machine behind the program. Yeah. Take, huh? No. Oh, it's going to take, more, it's going to take more, more people to, to believe in the program and um, help increase, you know, the, the revenue to the program. 
No, I, I agree. I think that it definitely can happen. I, I, you, the Gonzaga is a good example. Um, you got Gonzaga, Butler. Uh, you got teams that have moved out of their, their conferences, but they start off as a small, whatever, a small mid-major or, or mid-major. Now they're playing in, you know, supposedly big conferences. So I think it's definitely possible, especially with, you know, the within the historic in terms and Ray's always always talked about it too the historic nature of the mm-hmm. MIAC. There's so many there were so many talented ballers coming out of the MIAC back in the day. So I feel like there's definitely an opportunity. And with with all this, you know, I like I call it the being woke movement and whatnot. You got kids who are now <laughs> looking into, you know, saying, you know what, I want to represent my my community, my culture. And I'm with you, um, coach. It's like yeah, it it does come from the parents too. They have to instill it to the kids and say, you know what, yo, I graduated from a, 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 a an HBCU, you know what I mean? And I turned out fine. You can go out there and do and do the darn thing too. And to another point, you mentioned some of these great ballers that we see in the league and the NBA. You're right. Like a LeBron James wanted to go to a, a, a MEAC or any other HBCU school, you know, he still would be the first best player in, uh, coming out in the draft. It wouldn't hinder him. You know what I mean? What he would, what it would mm-hmm. do, it is, it would uplift that school's image because they would be on TV more, like you stated, they would be on TV more and they would get more exposure. But now you see LeBron on, you know, playing on that team. It makes you say, you know what? I want to go to that team. Like growing up, I mean, Michigan was a good basketball team. It was a big, it was a big, a big program. But when that Fab Five came out, everybody wanted to go to, everybody wanted to go to Michigan. Everybody yeah, wanted to be Jalen Rose. Everybody wanted to be Chris Paul Howard. And you didn't, you didn't know, you didn't know anything about University of Michigan. Nah. You just said they, they, they look pretty, they look pretty cool. Yeah. on TV. Mm-hmm. So you know anything about them? So I, I Co- agree. coach, I got to give some love too to Georgetown. Georgetown is another program yeah. right here in the nation's capital. Mm-hmm. Coach Thompson was a trailblazer, and of course, who heard of Georgetown before? In terms of basketball, <laughs> nobody. Matt, so, everything you're saying is correct. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I understand that. I'm just saying. I still. But but look look at look at Georgetown's whole team. What color were they? You know what? Who 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 was representing on the court? Yeah. That that's my point. But speaking of the uh, district, this is where obviously we're based our show. In terms of recruiting, how's recruiting going? And do you recruit in this area that we call the DMV? Yeah, I mean, we recruit everywhere. You know, wherever you can play. Man. You know, like <laughs> wherever you can play, we're gonna try to recruit you. So. Um, yeah, we do recruit in that area. Uh, of course, we recruit in Virginia. You know, and we have had some Maryland kids and things like that. So uh, we re- we'll recruit everywhere. But recruiting is going pretty good, though. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, there's a lot of interest um, from the NCAA tournament, you know, win. Because, like I said, a lot of people saw that win. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you got to strike kind of while the iron is hot to mm-hmm. really keep the program going. So I think we're involved in, um, I should say, involved with some kids that we might not have been involved with uh without the NCAA tournament, you know, so with that being said, we got to kind of close the deal on some of these kids so now we can do it again next year, you know, because I think the one thing is that once you get a taste of that, man, it's like, it's nothing like it in sports, you know, even with the pandemic, it's still nothing like it, you know, mm. um, and, and mm. you want to keep tasting, tasting that over and over and over, man, so, um, you know, we got to try to do what we got to do to, to make that happen. Uh, hey coach, I got I have a friend who uh, actually he heard he, I told him that you were coming on. He coaches uh, an AAU squad takeover in DC DC takeover AAU squad. He said he got a couple kids for you. If you need to you need to take a look at. All right, tell them, tell them, yeah, tell them, send them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, coach, we appreciate you being on. Before we let you go, is there anything you would like to add? No, I mean, you guys, you know, covered it with some good questions, man. So, no, 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 to add. Um, mm-hmm. 
Except for if you're if you're a good basketball player, come to Norfolk State. I love, <laughs> I love about it. it. <laughs> you got you got any social media? Always be selling. You know it. Hey, yeah, is, right. is, is there any social media you want to plug? Then you know what I mean, like so these no, kids yeah. can know. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Twitter, Twitter is NSU, NSU Coach Jones. My Instagram is NSU Coach Jones. So. Everything is pretty consistent with that in, in NSU Coach Jones. So, um, you know, anybody want to follow or whatever and follow the journey of Norfolk State basketball. I, I post a lot about Norfolk State basketball. Awesome. I try not to be one of those coaches that post too much about myself because I think that's like, you know, self-centered mm-hmm. a little bit. But, you know, because there are some coaches out there that post a lot about oh, themselves yeah. and Definitely. not really about the program. So, um, if you want to see something about Norfolk State basketball and a little bit about a little bit about me, then come check out. Um, <laughs> I, just, I, sound, I sound like I sound like uh, like Suge Knight back in the day. Like if you don't if you just dance through the videos, then come over here. You know, so you know, watching your coach post about themselves and and, oh, and you know all the time, and it's all about them to come over to Norfolk State. And not the know? source, not the source. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, all man. right, you made the transition nicely from Queens to the country. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh man, yeah, man, for sure, man. All right, but thanks. Uh, all right, thanks for being on, man. Appreciate you. I know, no doubt. Appreciate you, coach. Love you, man. Definitely. Again, that's uh, that was dope. That was man. Again, that's Norfolk State's men's basketball coach, Coach Robert Jones, man. Dope. You dope, man. I love him. I love it, and I love things like our age. You know what I'm saying? That's what I love about it. He's like our age. He's an our demographic. Oh, okay, Will. So, so Will, you was the yet. first one. <laughs> Will, you was the first one to drop your, your alma mater. You know, me and Wally went to the same school. My, my man, Robert Jones, represented Norfolk State. Who's going to blow up first? Because it's, it's coming. And Morgan is closer than my school, unfortunately. I, my school didn't even play any sport this year except for bowling, I think. And we, yeah. we're the best in that. You're Represent the UMES. But um, um, you got Brodus there. Coach Jones is young. I believe that they have momentum in terms of recruiting. Again, Will, sorry for the word. Who's going to blow up first in the MEAC or just, you know, in general for HBCU? Um, who, I mean, of course I'm biased, so I'm going to say Morgan <laughs> State. Um, okay. But if I'm being, if I'm just being, if, you know, not not to take anything away from what Coach Broaddus is building at, Mor- at Morgan, because I think he's doing a phenomenal job. But when you do have the success, you know, uh, essentially winning a game in the NCAA tournament, um, like Coach Robert Jones in Norfolk State had, um, that does give you a bit of a head start. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So, you know, you, you got to think. You got to think about it. You know, COVID. A lot of people will probably watch the NCAA tournament. Um, so, you yep. know, it, it, it gives them the visibility that um, any coach would would want to. You know, when you're starting to build, take your program to that next rung. But, um, you know, anyone who watched that uh, MEAC championship game knows that Coach Brodus and Morgan State, they played Norfolk State very tough. So. Yes, sir. Yeah, my uh, UMS doesn't have that in the future anytime soon right now. Not that I know of. We don't have that in the cards. But hopefully we'll have a, a, a tournament. May right. hope, I mean, look, hopefully, this is what you, you got. To, you got the plat- we got the platform. You can get we the do. UMS coach on. And I'm coming. <laughs> Here you go. Hoping for it, man. I want I want to I want to go to a game and just rock rock the colors, man. You know what I'm saying? The hawk and everything. You want to go down there for homecoming? Nah, I don't do that no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Let's go, baby. The culture, I love it. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. Homecoming, you the urban sports scene broadcasting during live during you and me at homecoming. Come on, man, that'll be big. Yeah, that's yeah, that, that would be dope, man. That would yeah, that would be okay. I would like that. That sounds cool. But uh, you said the homecoming. You All said right. going to homecoming. Like I'm going to homecoming. Like nah, that's not happening. You would don't 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 lie to the people. Not anymore. Not not anymore, bro. I, I gonna have his throwback jersey on. He gonna have his throwback jersey. I hate you, man. Man. <laughs> hey hey, Will, go ahead, man. Will, it's on you, Will. I'm done with it. Right. <laughs> Reports out that the Washington football team is interested is uh in love with draft prospect draft prospect Trey Lance. We'll discuss this after the break. It's the Urban Sports Team. Empire Empire. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Shut them down, open up shop. Oh, no. 
You are listening to the Urban Sports Scene with Will T, Ray Jeezy, and myself, Wole, part of Empire Media. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, NFL analyst Michael Lombardi reported that the Washington football team loved North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Should Washington trade up to secure Lance? Ray, I'll start with you. I listened to you guys last week. You know, I do listen when I'm not on. I will admit that I was out of town, but I still I still took a little time to, to log on and listen to the Urban Sports Team for a bit. And I also remember when Lou Holder appeared on our show weeks ago, and I'm hearing many of the fans as well who are all stating that this organization hasn't had a franchise quarterback, and they basically, quote-unquote, need one. I understand, you know, it's nice to have stability and arguably the most important position on the team. However, and it's a big however for me, this franchise won three Super Bowls without a franchise quarterback. And based on last season, this team is clearly a defensive football team. So I'm thinking you just keep building. You do not give up assets because if people can't score against you or people struggle to score against you, then you always will have a shot to win. Do you want to have Phillip Rivers? Do you want to have Dan Marino or McNabb? These franchise quarterbacks who who didn't win Super Bowls. Um, Even some of the great like Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, they've only won one. So if your aim is to win a championship, I don't know we need to focus too much on a quarterback. And is it worth trading up for Trey Lance if you're building differently where your defense and your running game is the primary key to winning? That's my question. Yeah, I don't uh, – go, 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 Will. No, go, no, go ahead, Will. Will I? Uh, no, I don't think that – to Ray's point, like Ray talked – he talks about this, you know, uh, su- sustainable success, right? That's Ray's little thing, sustainable success. <laughs> and uh, I don't see, like, trading <laughs> trading up to get – you know, and I like Trey Lance. I've said this before. I, I think Trey Lance arguably could be two, two or three the, – the second or third best quarterback in this draft – but I don't look at it as a situation where you have to trade up to get him because I don't think he's a day one starter anyway. So I think when you want to, when we talk about trading up to play it, to, to pick a guy, um, if, and we're talking to some of the reports are that they're willing to trade up to get to the top, you know, in the top 10 or whatnot or whatever, I don't think you take that risk, you know, especially if you're a team that still needs a lot of help to be where you, to get where you want to get at. They're not a Trey Lance away from being a dominant football team. And, and I know a lot of people look at Patrick Mahomes and, and, and that type of arm, but you still have to look at the Kansas City Chiefs had a, a very good ball club, you know, prior to Pat Mah- Patrick Mahomes starting. And all they did was add that individual into the starting lineup. And, you know, they were a Super Bowl contending football team. Uh, this Washington football team doesn't have the weapons of, of a Kansas City Chiefs team or some other quarterbacks that have, has been blessed with a situation. They're still adding pieces. So, you know, just continue to add pieces in the draft. Now, if he falls to them, they're blessed. And you, you take a Trey Lance. Or if it's a situation where – Maybe he's two draft picks away. I don't see that happening, but say that's the situation. And maybe you can consider doing that. But if you're talking about something drastic, then I, I would say no. Um, I agree with both of you guys um, with regards to trading up and giving away anything significant um, and significant, meaning a first, future first or second mm-hmm. round pick. Um, I absolutely would be against it. I don't think that's something you do. You currently have a team that is strong on the defensive side. And, again, I'll I'll say this again. I think that Washington has a future star in Antonio Gibson in the backfield. Um, You you don't need to trade up to get a quarterback. I personally, I'm a fan of, you know, if there's a quarterback that 
falls to you and that highly rated in the second or third round, you do you go there, you, you, you draft him, then you let him sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. And if he's ready next year, then you trot him out there. And then you know what you do two years from now? If that guy doesn't uh, evolve to being someone you think could be a franchise quarterback, i.e. meaning the guy, you draft another quarterback. I'm a big fan of drafting quarterbacks until you hit it, get it right. Mm. Not necessarily in the first round, but maybe in the second or third round, every two or three years. Because if you think about the length of these guys' contracts, mm-hmm. I think a second or third round, there's like four years, mm-hmm. four year, a four-year contract. And then also with the um, rookie pay scale, where they're a lot, where they're slotted at, you can consistently draft quarterbacks until you get it right, um, until you find a guy. Yeah. Without yeah. spending, without giving up so much draft capital um, to extend and get a guy that you don't definitely, if you aren't 100% sure he's the guy for you. Yeah, and, and I think that Coach Rivera pretty much stated stated it, I want to say a couple of weeks ago, that if, you know they don't have to draft a quarterback. I know that we've been so drenched in this culture that you got to continue continue to draft a quarterback in the first round you just build your team and and then you get a guy that you actually like a lot a lot of teams what they do is just because someone says they need it because it's stated that they need a quarterback they'll reach on a guy in the, in a particular draft who may not be they may see that you know has potential but isn't really there yet you know to me you draft a guy that that you're in love with. You draft a guy that you like, especially in the first round. We're talking about in the first round, you draft a guy that you like. I mean, like you really like, not a guy that, you know, you know what? We need a quarterback. He's there. Let's draft him. Like you don't do that. You got to, you, you, you do your homework and you pick a guy that you like. And even in the second round, a guy that you like, because it gets to a point where you're just drafting quarterbacks just to draft quarterbacks. Now, I get what you're saying, Will. If they like the guy, if they're doing their draft board and they like the guy and this guy, you know what? We have a high grade on him. Let's take them. But in, there are situations where we've seen it in the NFL where people just draft quarterbacks because, you know what, they're like, we need a quarterback. This may not be the draft in terms of having the guys at quarterback to be very successful, but we need a quarterback in this draft class. We need a quarterback period anyway, so we'll just draft in this draft class, knowing that maybe year, you know, we're in 2021, 2022 may have a better dra- quarterback draft class. And you already know that. You already know that. But you know what? Your mind is saying – Hey, we need a quarterback. Let's just draft a quarterback just to draft a quarterback. So I, I like the I like where Coach Rivera is going with it. He's like, you know what? If we got if we get the opportunity to get a guy that we like at quarterback, we'll take him. If not, then we're cool with waiting it out and maybe go waiting it out for next season and seeing like, hey, maybe we'll get a quarterback. We'll have we'll have our guy mm-hmm. in that draft class because you got the kid from Oklahoma, Rattler, um, who could be. I mean, if Washington, depending on how they how they if they slide or whatnot, that's a guy that. They have the ability to maybe get, you know what I mean? And then and that dude is, is talented enough to be a franchise quarterback. So it depends, man. It really does. It depends if Coach, who Coach Rivera really likes. Well, just to piggyback off of what we've been discussing, um, Mel Kuyper uh, put out his mock draft 4.0 mm-hmm. mm-hmm. earlier today, I believe. Um, he, pro- he, project- he has uh, Trey Lance projected to go number six mm. via trade between Miami and Atlanta um, with the Falcons selecting them um, mm. at number six. And he has the latest 
quarterback being drafted in the first round is number 10 overall, and that's Justin Fields um, with uh, New England trading with Dallas. Mm. They said so. He has. He has. Well, that's 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 the. I think Bucky. I think was a Bucky for e, for um NFL Network. And I could be wrong. I think he has Bucky Brooks. I think he has Washington getting Trey trading up to to ten and getting Trey. So he has Atlanta getting. So he has a he has Atlanta getting um Trey Lance. Yes, he has Atlanta trading with the Dolphins. Uh, yep, Atlanta trading with the Dolphins. See, that's that's easy. Um, the Dolphins taking Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. and Atlanta taking Trey Lance. <laughs> Would you like Trey Lance? So he has four. He has four quarter. He has four quarterbacks going. I, I don't. Four. I don't know enough of. No, no excuse me. Three quarterbacks going him. in the top. Three, so. Yeah, okay. I know there's a lot of quarterbacks going. Early. Ray, do you like Trey Lance? Do you would you would you take Trey Lance? I, I mean, obviously, you know, you know what I said recently ago. I'm not high on combines and tape. You know, mm-hmm. I have to actually see it. And I didn't watch Trey Lance games in college. I don't know if you guys did, but I didn't. So no, I would have to <laughs> I would have have to see him in action. I'm not going to just judge off of you know in shorts and uh, a muscle shirt <laughs> right now. Even though does he look the part? Of course he does. But uh, I'm I'm very hesitant. Although um, he would not be in a situation where he had to play, he would have to play right away. So it might be a good situation for him. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's, I, he's a guy. I've I've watched clips <clears throat> of him. I mean, I like I like guys who can win in college. I mean, I'm a big believer in that. You know, a lot of people fixated with the kid that played for BYU, and I've seen him against certain competition that he didn't you know show out. Uh, but I like I like um, I like that you know this kid's almost like it's almost comparable to what we saw. His track record is to Carson Wentz in terms of what I mean, him winning winning football games. So I mean, I like that aspect of him. I don't look at him as a day one starter. I definitely don't see that. I see him as a guy that I think Atlanta would be a good situation for him because he would be um, sitting behind Matt Ryan, and you can learn from Matt Ryan. So I think that would be dope. Uh, no, uh, the the thing is with I mean, just drafting in general. None of you know. Mm-hmm. These so-called experts want to say that they know who's going to do what and who, you know, who's going to shake out to be, you know, an elite player. The reality is it's a gamble. No one knows, Facts. right? Mm-hmm. Because if that was the case, um, the uh, Chicago Bears wouldn't have taken, taken Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. and um, Patrick Mahomes. So just to remind you guys and the listeners, the the goal, as Wole said, is not just sustainable success, but it's a Super Bowl. And the last time we had a champion, the last time we had a champion in the D.C. area was the Washington Nationals, who haven't started the season strong. We'll talk Washington Nationals baseball when we come back. You listen to Urban Sports Scene on Empire Media. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You ain't here, shorty. Told you I got you. Make the way I scoop you when you bag it, nigga shot you. 
come and hold you down. I mean, yeah, for real. But every time you beef with a nigga, end up having to kill. Ain't like that. Hey, forget about some two kids. About to get a deal. This is nice Jewish. Oh, you think? Nah, I'm just playing. What's up? Got some new bitches. No, you trying to fuck. Nah, not really. What? Ain't your man no more? Because the nigga don't need a hand no more. You know how we do. If one don't score. Y'all take the pussy and go up in the road. It's like now, where you going? I ain't trying to take it. Fucking with a nigga like you, I won't make it. It'll be what it is. Yo, you in for the night? I'm about to take it to the crib. You get home, my The snake, the rat, the cat, and the dog. with this nigga no more word to my mother fuck it so you know i'm for sure word to my brother it's like he's gotten worse than before so now i wonder what type of dirt this nigga got in store for me to get under then i get the call yo x police just killed your cousin i let them the projects don't get back nigga to pay him i got you told you i got you yo i got you i'm in the catch 22 because the niggas got the pay no, he gonna be asking for a favor one day. But fuck it, I ain't got no choice in the matter. The fact I killed my people, and I wanna see him splatter. That's what I'm talking about. We ain't on no kids yet. And I'm gonna use the same gun that you killed them two kids with. Is that hard to live with? Nah. So you still a player? But what you want from me? I'll tell you later. The snake, the rats, the cat, and the dog. All over the news, bomb goes off essential. What the fuck have I gotten myself into? The mental, it's like, get the fuck out of there. I'm out. Hey, going somewhere? Nah. What's your bag for? Fuck it. What you want? Can your nigga come and die? You're listening to the Urban Sports Scene with myself, Bole, Will T, and Ray Jeezy, part of Ampire Media. All right, the Nets have started the season a little slow. They're two and five. Um, but uh, I think they're playing a little bit better. What has caused the Nat struggle? A uh, couple of things. Um, lack of consistent hitting throughout the lineup. Um, not having, you know, two of your higher profile offseason acquisitions in um, Kyle Schwarber and Josh Bell. Um yeah, that's pretty much it. And then, um, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, then also Max Scherzer giving up a lot of early home runs. Mm-hmm. Well, right now the Nats are and Nats are and the St. Louis Cardinals are tied one one. Uh, Steven Strasburg is in the hill. Um, come on, Strasburg, went out, man. I got you, my fantasy baseball team. It's all about that that bag. Um, it's, I'm, I'm actually you fantasy. play fantasy baseball? Yeah, I'm in the fantasy baseball money league. I was asked actually talk Nats uh, talk Nats asked me if I wanted to be in the um <laughs> in the fantasy baseball league. I said sure, why not? And they asked me like you some money. Sucker coming. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm I'm one my first. I woke. I won week one, bro. Come on now, look, man. I'm a baseball connoisseur, oh, okay. bro. All right, okay. I'm a baseball connoisseur. So you, you, you <laughs> yeah. Please, please let let us and let the listeners know. You know, give us updates 
Oh you yeah, know, how I you will. doing? I will, man. Right now, you know, I got I got a nice I got a nice chill squad, man. I got Steven Strasburg. You know, I got uh some Orioles that like are like that new that would probably do well. Um, I got I, I got Manny Machado. I, I mean, I got I got a nice I got a nice squad. You know, low key, kind of chill, jai chill, jai chill. Um, but I think for the <laughs> I think for the Nats, man, I think the Nats their situation is one like like you mentioned, Will, like the COVID kind of messed up their whole lineup offensively speaking, missing some of the bats, but also just for the guys that were actually on the, you know, on the field, like, uh, situational hitting wasn't at the, be- wasn't the best. Uh, you know, obviously when you're trying to drive in runs, you need to do that. I think I know for, for a while they weren't scoring runs at all. Um, so the offense ha- hasn't been you know clicking though. I will, I will say though, Bell is back. Ryan Zimmerman was doing, was hitting mm-hmm. well. So you had individuals stepping up, but as a team, so in terms of a collective unit, situational hitting, um, uh, moving guys over, things of that sort, bring guys in. They weren't they weren't playing strong baseball. I think now when you get some guys like you mentioned, Will, you get some guys back. You just feel a little, you know, feel an air of confidence. You saw that with Shorber. I think he had a couple runs batted in uh, yesterday. Um, you got Bell who had a, a key at bat, getting a walk that led to that inning for them to get the lead uh, against the Cards yesterday. So um, better pitching from Eric Fetty um, yesterday as well. So this mm-hmm. team is a, it, it's a right now. I feel like you know you never you can't win a season or win a championship in April, right? We we learned that about this ball club. You know when they won the championship, um, it's about how you round this this round this thing out. I'm a firm believer when I watch this lineup that this well this lineup is potent. I don't care if it's struggling now. I when I watch it and look at it and would look at the capability that this lineup has, um they can be a dynamic offense. It's predicated on one thing though, to be honest with you. If this team if Victor Robles puts everything together, this team to me would be the favorite to win the to, to get out of the NL. And this is with the Dodgers or whatever. It's all predicated on what he can do. Because you lost Anthony Rendon, who's one of the best players, period, in baseball. But you have a guy in Robles who's going to hit leadoff, who's going to give you the opportunity mm-hmm. to do special things because he's a guy who has some pop, who has speed, plays. he's a gold-glove caliber uh, uh, center fielder. But he has to bring it all together. Like, you can't have games where I saw yesterday, even though they won, where this team needs him to step up and he's striking out. You can't have that right now. You, you, you've been here in this, on this team long enough where – you know, this team need now relies on you to be that big, to be a big bat. Uh, they don't have, they don't have, their, they don't have Rendon anymore. You know what I'm saying? Soto can't carry it all by himself. As great as he is, people will walk you when you're that great. So players like, you know, I think Victor Robles to me, Rick, Victor, Rick, excuse me, Victor Robles is the key for this team uh, to get to where they want to be at. So guys, I want to ask you something because we've all experienced significant injuries. And in this case with the Washington Nationals, like you just mentioned, like you both just mentioned, we're not talking about injuries. We're talking about a worldwide pandemic that mm-hmm. clearly impacted them greatly to start the season. Davey Martinez said he still wants to get John Lester back before he feels like the Nationals' COVID-19 outbreak is officially behind them. So it, so it goes to show you that the mental aspect is still there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the one thing that's going to really mess with them and hold them back until they get past this mental component that's when I feel like their bats will really let loose. They'll play more free. How long do you think it's going to take before, you know, you're able to move past that where you, you know, they, the team just got vaccinated from what I read. Yeah. You, you obviously are traveling with a mask on. How, how, how long would that take? And do you tap into other athletes who have been navigating this pandemic, like the NBA, the, the NHL? You, you kind of dealt with it last year, but now you're talking about fans being back. 
We were talking about your team being, you know, greatly impacted. You know, how long is that going to take? And will that, you know, mess them up to where they may not be able to recover? Well, luckily, it's a 162-game season. Um, so uh, right. I think they'll have an opportunity to catch up. <laughs> um, I mean, you're right, though. It's all about rhythm. Like, watching like for watching yeah. Bill yesterday, I knew that he didn't have his his rhythm at the plate, you know, because he missed – I think he had a key. He had a key bat. I wanted to say the bases were loaded. I could be wrong, but um, but he had a situation three one when he, the, the pitcher all he can throw throw him was a fastball. Like all he can throw him was a fastball. Dead dead center center cut and he whiffed at it. And if you know anything about Bell, like that's a pitch he can crush easily. And he missed a couple of them to strike out and got the same got the same fastball twice. So it's all about timing. No, so they're gonna some some guys who are gonna be missing games are gonna have to get their timing back. And I think that to your point, Ray, that will hinder this ball club. Um, but a lot of a lot of teams will be dealing with this. To be honest, to be real with you, a lot of teams will be dealing with it. You know, to me, the Nats won't be the only team this season. But I do think the Nats do have the mm-hmm. capability to 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 win with it, to win even though they get hit with it. Because at the end of the day, you win baseball games predominantly on playing good defense and pitching and then that's because of the acquisitions they that they've made they will play they should be able to play solid defense and they have the pitchers to to to, to do what they need to do you mentioned john lester i think once he gets healthy that's going to make their 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 rotation 10 times better you got a guy eric fetty who can hold you down as a fifth starter until lester gets back you saw what you saw what Ross can do. You know what I mean. When he's healthy, you got a Joe Ross who, to me, has a bunch of potential. Um, you know, uh, Corbin got rocked in his first start, but you don't expect him to be. You know, to be. Um, you expect him to be that guy uh, when you know when he gets his when, when he gets his, his game rolling and whatnot. Strasburg right now got hit with a three. Uh, hit, got hit with a homer by Nolan. Uh, Nolan Arenado and now the Nats are down 3-1 but you expect Strasburg and Scherzer to still be top of the line starters so I just feel like the Nats even though right they're struggling they still have and even with COVID being a part being a part of baseball they still have enough to still win in even with COVID Will T. so I'm gonna ask you guys a question is it too early for Nats fans to begin to panic yeah I think it is Will you think it's too early are you a big Nats fan, man? You think it's too early, bro? Where will that, man? Will that, man? <laughs> will watching oh, no, the game. My, and he, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, sitting here, I'm sitting here talking. You know what's, what's crazy? I'm sitting here talking, and, I, and I'm on mute. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, that's what I thought was happening because I was like, "Yo, this like Will let me talk like, way too that, much man. about the Nats, dog." Like I'm like I'm going. Exactly. I was like, "Why am I talking so heavily about the Nats? Where's Will at to interject?" <laughs> no, um, I, I I do. Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, I, I'm kind of worrying from the perspective of. This is a little bit older of a team. Mm. As we start getting into the dog days of summer, we all know that injuries start to happen. Um, and plus the level of competition in the NL, in the NL East, you know, you have Atlanta, Philly, and then you also have, um, the Mets and, um, Florida is no slouch. Yeah, Miami, the Miami Marlins are no slouch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm starting to get a little antsy. But um, I'm trying to remain positive. 
So uh, on tw- on Twitter, my man uh, Christopher tweeted us. He said, "Not time to panic yet." This this team had a slow start in 2019 when they won the World Series. They had a slow start in 2020, and we're coming on late in uh, in the year. Except um, except except it was a short season. Now we're getting players back off the COVID list, and they're looking better. Uh, too early to panic. Uh, I agree. I do. I do think again. I think it's early. Too early to panic. But I think Will, you have a great point, man. You got older players and like you said like this is a long baseball season so um who knows if they're going to have the energy to kind of flip the script like we saw a couple years ago so no i i, I get yeah, you and, and then yeah and then also the the nl east wasn't as deep mm-hmm. when the nats won the pennant um compared to this year right when they won it in 2019 the NL East wasn't as good from top to bottom. This year, from top to bottom, is really no slouch, in my opinion. No, I agree. I think the NL East is definitely a, a hard division. You know that the Atlanta Braves have, haven't started the season strong, uh, but I'm with you. Like, the talent is there. Like, Atlanta is a, is a superpower. The Mets are a better team, a healthier. Um, the Phillies, um, I mean, they should be a good team, but they should have been a good team last year and the year before last um, and the Marlins to me are, is a team that just works hard and they, they're a bunch of young dudes who don't know that they're not supposed to compete, but they compete. So I, I'm with you. I think the NL East is definitely a, 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 a challenging division, even for the, even for the, uh, Washington Nationals, but, uh, subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, tune in our heart radio on Google podcasts, just search the urban sports scene. Also tweet us at urban sports scene and hit us up on our urban sports scene, Facebook page and check out the new home of the urban sports scene. Empire Media at EmpireMedia.com. Uh, before we check out the show again, I want to say, like, you know, for folks who don't know, like, for folks who don't know, like, who weren't in the time of where we were listening to music in our, like, when we were, like, 99, 2000, you know, DMX was, and you've heard of him throughout the show in terms of our breaks and whatnot, DMX was one of the, at that particular point in time, may have arguably, arguably been the best rapper in the game, and his music was iconic for that run that he did have when when he was the top of his game when he was focused on music or whatnot that man was a musical genius um his music is timeless like will t said it's all about celebrate it's all about celebrating this individual because at the end of the day when you look back and you listen to that stuff you can probably remember where you were at or when you copped that album or whatever because that music was insightful was passionate and it just it wasn't just generic music it was music for the soul. So, again, RIP DMX. Appreciate the appreciate the music you brought to the game. Appreciate the history you brought to to many folks around here, many listeners. We just appreciate you so much, man. So live live up live up there. I mean, rest easy and rest in heaven, my man. Anything else anybody want to say before I close the show out? Um, no, um, not really. Um, nah, I, I I'm not going. I'm not going to say my comment. Ray, anything you want to say? Now that's real talk. <laughs> anyway, you've been listening to the Urban Sports Scene for ages. You dig? Deuces. Hey, X, lead us out, big homie. I thank you, Lord, for my birth and everything that's followed. I thank you, Lord, for today, and I will pray for tomorrow. I thank you, Lord, for the love of my life and a friend. 
I made a promise, and I'm loving my wife to the end. I thank you, Lord, for your guidance, because it's all that counts. And right here, right now, Lord, this is your house. I thank you, Lord, for a dream that came true to light. And I ask you to bless everybody in this room tonight. I don't always do the right thing, and I ask you to forgive me. I need you here with me. Without you in my life, it's empty. I think back how some people did me like violence was the remedy. And because I think of that now, I pray for my enemy. Not because of what I'll do, but because they don't know. There's something better after here, but everybody won't go. So I ask you to forgive them, and we'll hope they see And I thank you for the love that they've given to me. I will not abuse it, nor will I lead them astray. You see, I love them like children that I see every day. And I pray, no, we pray together. Get us through the bad weather, and we love you forever. Let your thought and my heart go hand in hand. I first thought, but to start. But I stand a man. And for as long as I can, as long as you permit me, please give me the strength I need to live. Bear with me. Amen.